Hallelujah. On this morning, uh, definitely uh, in the same attitude of Jesus is excellent. We want to talk about praise. Basically, we want to talk about how we handle the highs and the lows in our life. I want to encourage you today that you can be one day be on top of the mountain and the next day be low in the valley. But I want you to know there's something that's constant no matter how high you get and how low you get. That God is still God. He is still excellent. His love never fails. He's still the beginning and the end. He still is the Alpha and the Omega. He is almighty. He's all-powerful. He is God. And, and I want to talk about how on top of the mountain represents the, the high feelings in life. Uh, when people say they've been on the mountaintop or they had highs, they're, they're speaking of the time of reaching a summit, uh, reaching an accomplishment, an experience, a peak experience in their life. Has anybody talked about a mountaintop experience in your life? Uh, it might have been the day you had your first child, maybe the day you saw your baby graduate, or it had been an accomplishment in your life that it was a mountaintop experience. You can always go back to that time. You might have a picture to remember that time. Say, hey, hey, there it is. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I said that because some of you don't take pictures of your low moments. Yeah, I got a few people here. We try to forget those. I don't have those pictures of all the F's I got in school, but I got them A's staying on the, on the refrigerator. Uh, hello, hello, somebody. I, I, I know how we like to celebrate the highness. One famous quote about the mountaintop experience comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a speech he made in Memphis. Uh, speaking to the primarily African-American sanitary workers who were organizing to go on strike because of the unfair union practices. This speech is dated April 3rd, 1968. And I remember because Dr. King saying saying towards the end, I throw this one in for free. You know, he did this for the sanitary workers, but they don't get that holiday off here in Illinois. Just threw that one in for free. But yet, this is why this speech is remembered, because he made it on this date, April 3rd, 1968, and said this, towards the end, uh, this is the conclusion of his message. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm so happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And this is why this is important. 
That was his last speech. This was the eve of his assassination. And yet he was overpressed with depression. He was overwhelmed by the consistent scrutiny of him about the slowness of the nonviolence movement happening. And he was able to get up and encourage them saying, I may not get there, but I've seen the promised land because God took him to the mountaintop. And, and so we, they titled it in the, this, this message, The Promised Land. And this message is, is important for us to grasp that that next day he was shot. But yet he noticed one thing. What did he notice? He noticed because I've seen the mountaintop, I, I know that this time will be better. But yet he was speaking at a low place. He was speaking as a low place emotionally and physically, duress and stressed out. But yet through it all, he had trust in God that he could see the high points. Going to help you out today to understand that no matter how low you may get, you can still look up. And so here it is that we want to understand that God wants us to trust him no matter how high we get, no matter how low we get. We need to trust him the same. And so Luke's gospel gives us an historical account of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the son of God. This gospel account helps us to reveal Jesus, the son of God, as a fully man and fully God who fulfills the Messiah's prophecy. And so this gospel tells us who he is as he's writing this account. Then he follows it up with Acts. But before we get to our text to study for today, Jesus has performed many miracles that identify him as the Messiah. In this ninth chapter of Luke, Jesus has given authority to his disciples to drive out demons, to heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom. This chapter also tells us around this time, King Herod killed John the Baptist. And that's our relative of Jesus. Jesus was baptized by him, we recall. Say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is killed. Jesus is alone and receives this news, but his disciples are out doing great work. But now they come back to report to Jesus the impact of their ministry. They were truly amazed by how God empowered them to see that demons obeyed their command. And they were able to heal the sick. And what happened? A crowd arised and followed him. And he fed 5,000. Though have mercy. And you know, they counted just the men. And so if you multiply that by two, that's 10,000. And they might have had 2.5 children. Add that on. There you go. That's 20.5 20, thousand. <laughs> y'all, y'all catch the .5 joke. It's all right. And so here it is. That now Jesus has done this, it says, a few days later. Y'all see that there in the text? And, and some text says eight days later. And so Jesus is teaching about the Son of Man must suffer many things and the cost of being his disciple. And, and so this is where we've picking up this text if he's giving them the strong teaching. But I wanted to introduce you to this text to see there's a background here that there's something going on that he's preparing them to let them know who I am. I am the Messiah. And what I want you to grab here is that he's letting them know, he's setting the example that if I can show you how to deal with highs in life and lows of life, do you not know who I am? Because he asked them, who do they say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are 
God's Messiah. Basically, Peter's saying, you are the one we are waiting for. But Peter didn't, still didn't grasp all of that. But this is important, though, because Peter grabbed this, and Peter, James, and John were his first disciples. Because not only do we find about this in this Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus was teaching, and he just happened to step into Peter's boat and said, you need to go out a little further. And then he used the boat as a pulpit to speak to the crowd. Then after he got done talking, Peter, he looked at Peter and says, cast on the other side. He's like, teacher, we've been out fishing already. We ain't cast any fish. He says, I understand, but you didn't hear what I said. I said, cast it on the other side. They caught a great catch. Now, here's it. Peter was the boss. James and John worked for him. James and John says, boss, we got a whole lot of fish. Who was that man in your boat? We going to follow him. And they followed him. I'm, I'm pointing this out because I want you to grab here that Peter, James, and John are mentioned right here in this text. This, these are the inner circle, these three right here, who, who Jesus first initiated and brought into the ministry. But again, Jesus is modeling to them how to deal with the highs in life and how the lows in life. And here's what I want you to grab too. Here, can, can you sense this, how Jesus is the highest? He is the most high. But yet he came the most slow. He shows us what humility looks like. He shows us how we are to humble ourselves and deal with scrutiny, and deal with times of hardship. He let them know, I'm going to suffer many things, but yet it's not going to stop me from doing the right thing. I'm going to still do my father's business. Y'all with me? Let's look at our text. Luke 9, chapter verse 28. It says here, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. What they talking about, Jesus? Well, here it is. They were, they, they were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which is about to be be fulfilled in Jerusalem. I want you to grab something here. Jesus already knows what's about to happen to him. He already knows. Before he is blessed in this appearance and this transfiguration, he already told the disciples, I'm going to suffer many things. But three days later, I will rise again. So during this high times, we should seek God in prayer and be changed for the better. Here's the model here. Jesus is showing us how to deal with. He's going through some low times, y'all. You understand? He knows death is coming his way. I don't know about you, but we, it's kind of hard to handle the news the first time you hear you're about to die. I, I, I haven't been in there personally, but I've been ministering to some people who've dealt with it. And they let me know how I know one person shared it with me saying, I got the news. I just came on home. And I said, well, God, if that's it, that's it. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I would have done that. I might have done some other stuff. I, 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 I don't know how I would handle if someone would tell me my life, I, the doctor's done all they can, and my life is about to come to an end. If I would be in that peace and going at home and set my affairs in order with my children. But that's what this person did. See, here it is. Jesus realized that 
I still got work to do until he calls me home. And so he's letting his disciples know that I don't want you to get caught by surprise about what's going to happen. But I know how to handle this part of my life. I spend time in prayer. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter and John and James up on a mountain to pray. Do you have a place of prayer? A place where you go to seek God. A place where you can bask in his presence and spend some quality time with him. Here it is. Jesus understood that I'm going through some stuff, but yet I don't have to go by it by myself. I'll have a few witnesses with me. I just want to encourage you. If you don't know, you don't have to go by it by yourself. Uh, y- y- y'all familiar with the joke? People are asking people, do you know the name of God? And, and one man raises his hand and says, I know his name is Andy. And he said, what do you mean his name is Andy? Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. And he calls me his own. Will you, will you know Jesus? You know he walks with you. And he talks with you. You can help somebody let him know his name's not Andy. His name is Jesus. But he will walk with you. He will talk. You don't have to go at it by yourself. You may look around and nobody physically will be with you. But I'm so glad God is spirit and he can be present. He's a present help in the time of trouble. And so here it is. Notice how the spirit became physical. It says that they were in prayer. Now, if you look closely there in the text, you might have missed it a couple of times. You read this because if you focus on the transfiguration, Peter, James and John fell asleep. Notice how Jesus wasn't counting on them. They, they, they couldn't hang with him. But Jesus understood, I need Jesus. I want you to understand there's going to be some times in your life that you need Jesus. Don't wait on somebody else. Just go ahead and seek him yourself and let God minister to you. So while he's in prayer, it says that he has, his face changed. and He had company that showed up. And notice the names there, Elijah and Moses. This is special. This is special. And, and, and this is why this is special. Because one, he's on the mountain. And and here it is that Eliza and Moses both left from mountains. <laughs> they cross on and Elijah he crossed on the Jordan River and they went up and they say no he was gone on a fiery chair. Moses went up and he saw the promised land. Y'all catch my introduction. He went to the mountaintop. He saw the promised land. He said it before Dr. Key said I won't make it with you, but my eyes have seen the glory. God, let her know that they're going to make it, Moses. They're going to make it. I'm going to bring you home. And so here it is on the mountaintop, but also on the mountaintop, Moses' face changed. Said it became glorious, and he covered it up when he came back down. Jesus' face has changed. And then another thing, too, is that about this is that uh, 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 Elijah, you know, did not taste death. Moses did taste death. But in between them is one who tastes death but defeated death. And so here it is, the great prophet and another great prophet and one who represents the law. In between the one who is uh, above the law, that's showing us grace, that fulfills the law. But not only is he a prophet, he's a priest and a king. Oh, hallelujah. And so showing us that we are covered by Jesus. But yet, he's on this mountaintop experience. But when they wake up, this cast is when they wake up. They say, oh, this is good. 
They say, Elijah. But notice when they wake up, they're leaving. But they're like, we don't want to leave here. It is good for us to make a booth and for us to stay here. Basically, it's a tabernacle. Say, let us make a home. I want you to understand. They wanted to stay there permanently because they found a good spot. Anybody ever had a great mountaintop experience? You, were like, you said, like, I wish this would never end. Right. You know how kids say that when they go to sleep, the best day ever, right? They're basically saying, like, I wish I could have this day every day, right? That's the same way in a mountaintop experience. When we feel the greatness, the highness of God in our lives, we're like, whoo, that feels good. But, yeah, we know we got to go down the mountain. But, yeah, we want to embrace the highs when we have them. Because look what it says. It says that Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were staying, starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as they were saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and a terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Stick a pen right down and get right there. But before, let me talk about what they were talking about. Notice it says the Exodus. We know Moses that led the great Exodus. We know Elijah speak to the people in the time saying, y'all need to get right so you don't suffer another Exodus. Y'all quiet on me. And so here it is. But here's Jesus Exodus is about he's going to leave this world. But yet just as Moses set the captive free, Jesus in his Exodus is going to set the captive free and lead us into a promised land. I only got a few amens. I want you to grab here that don't miss out on the exodus. That you too can go from the land of slavery of sin and walk into his marvelous light through salvation and know the promise of everlasting life. And so these two men leave and uh, James, John, and Peter wake up and they said something. They said something. But here's what I want you to grab here, why I stuck a pen in there. That they said something that made no sense. There's times in our lives that we think we're smart and we stay, say stuff that makes no sense. And so God had to step in. I want you to catch it. God stepped in to let them know y'all got it wrong. Notice what's happening here. Notice what's happening here. Notice what's happening. This text is basically singling around Jesus in prayer. And so who's basically doing the action? God, the Father. He's been silent vocally but been present eternally. But now because Peter, James, and John are not understanding the mission, God had to step in and say, here goes an announcement for you to understand. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Basically saying, don't listen to your son. You, you're trying to be smart, but you're not smart. Y'all quiet on me. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at the time what they had seen. You see verse 37? It says the next day. So they have one day a mountaintop experience. The next day they got to face real life. They got to go down the mountain. And when they go down the mountain, what's going on? They, get, they got their brothers, the other apostles out there causing a commotion. Because you got a daddy with a son saying, y'all, y'all were out earlier healing folks. 
Y'all went out rebuking demons, healing the lame. Y'all, I want you to understand that they were doing that. They know they can do it, but now you can't do it now. What's going on? Jesus comes around, baby mother saying, you know, what the problem is, right? Hey, 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 yo, Jesus, I was, I was with your boys, and they couldn't solve my problem. Jesus getting mad now, saying, you unfaithful. Uh, how, how long I'm going to put up with y'all? Now, here's another situation to grab here that God puts up with us even when we're unbearable, unfaithful, or not good, not obedient. He still puts up with us. When he says, how long, basically, that's what God said to children, how long I'm going to put up with this perverse generation? How long I'm going to put up with y'all stiff-necked people? That's why Joshua said it, choose today whom you will serve. Basically, Joshua said, don't fool me because I know you. I know you're going to say one thing or do another thing, but here it is. Make a declaration today whom you going to serve, which I said, for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. We need to make up and understand that, God, I will serve you no matter how good it is, how bad it is. And so here it is. God does not give up on us, even in our lowest times, our hardest times. Notice here in this text, it says that Jesus says, bring him to me. Y'all see that in uh, verse uh, 40. I beg your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. Look closely here. Look closely here. As As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground, threw him to a violent convulsion. But, can somebody say, but? Jesus rebuked the evil spirit. And healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. Notice, notice what's happening here. As his healing was in front of him, the enemy tried to hinder him. Y'all see that there? He says, bring your son to me. Father is bringing his son. The enemy is actively working against him. I got a few people with me. It it says right there, as the boy came forth, as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him to a violent convulsion. But... Look, look, I want you to grab what's happening here. It did not say the man made it there. Y'all quiet on me. He said, bring him here. On his way there, he got tripped up and beat down. But, you understand? But, aren't you glad that no matter how low you get in the scene, you can't reach him. But, Jesus can rebuke the demon. Jesus can heal you. He can deliver you. No matter how low you can you get, but Jesus is able to lift you up and prevent you from falling. No matter how messed up your life is, but Jesus can pick you up and turn you around and place your feet on solid ground. No matter how doctors say they have nothing they can do for you, but 
but Jesus can heal you. Uh, hallelujah. And restore you. Look what he did. He said he rebuked the demon. Uh, he healed the body. I want to grab some. Well, you get slammed down. You get some bumps and you get some scrapes. Uh, you get some bruises. Jesus said he healed him. And here it is. He restored him back to the Father. Good day now, Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. Uh, but I'm going to talk about how the Son got back to the Father. I'm done talking about dealing with highs and lows in your life. But let me talk about how one became high, became low, just to get back high. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Jesus. That he came down high from heaven to die on the cross for our sins. And they put him low in a grave. He defeated lowly hell and ascended into heaven to get back with the Father. I'm done now, Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to remind yourself, no matter how low I am, I can get back with the Father. He can make everything all right. No matter what I'm going through, no matter how my life is, I know He is able to turn it around and get me back to my father come and go with me to my father's house there's peace there's joy so how are you going to deal with your highs and your lows remind yourself I got to get back to my father and you're going to find that he's always been there all you got to do is call on the name of the Lord notice when the daddy saw Jesus he said, Jesus, I know you can fix it. <laughs> Jesus, I know you can do something. They were falling short. But Jesus, people will let us down. But yet Jesus, hallelujah, he is able. It's amazing how when we spend quality time with him. So notice, remember this priest principles here. That you got to spend time in prayer at your highest moments. Just as you got to spend time in prayer in your lowest moments. And know that through it all, God is present. He can change the atmosphere when the Spirit of the Lord is here. Father, we just thank you.